last week as we entered the new year, we entered a new sermon series looking at the prayer that Jesus taught. We know it as the, the Lord's Prayer. It's a prayer probably that how many people have ever prayed the Lord's Prayer? Quite a few. Almost everybody, right? Our focus is kind of twofold. One is to to look at how the Lord's Prayer and what Jesus taught us to pray, how that shapes what we pray for and how we pray. But also, the, the second half of it is to, to consider how Jesus' prayer shapes and forms how we live in this in-between time where God's kingdom is present and here now, but it's not here in the fullness Right? It's, it's this space in between when Jesus came and when he comes again. How is it that this prayer shapes and forms how we will live today and tomorrow? We looked at the first couple words. The first word was Father, right? A father in heaven. And how our Father in heaven is, is not like any uh, poor images of the Father that we can craft here on earth. The Father in heaven is completely distinct and better than any Father we can find between these two advents. This Father in heaven is one who is loving and concerned for his children. It's a, a Father who desires to hear from his children every day, every hour, perhaps maybe even every minute. This is a father that not only loves to hear about the good things that happened in your day, but also he can handle when you bring to him the concerns, the evils that you see, the struggles within your heart, the pain that you've experienced. He, he handles that and he, and he welcomes that. He welcomes that from, from all of his children. And, and everyone who, who counts themselves as saved by Christ, by, by grace through faith, those are his children, the children that he loves and he desires to hear from. As we've been learning, we, we, we learned this, the sign language for the next part. Mindy, Mindy introduced it, hallowed be your name. Let's hear the, the prayer once again. And actually, we're not going to hear it. We're going to read it together. If you read with me, uh, it'll be on the screen. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Oops. Let's join together. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Sometimes when I hear these two first phrases together, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, kind of sounds just like a statement, doesn't it? It's like a, a statement that we're making. kind of feels like that to me. I don't know if it feels like that to you, but our Father in heaven, 
you're worthy of all glory and honor and praise. Our Father in heaven, you are so amazing and honorable. Our Father in heaven, your name should be revered. There's another prayer that was written probably around a similar time period to when Jesus taught this prayer, and it was a, a prayer of the Jewish people called the Kaddish. That's a, a word that means holy. Uh, I believe that's an Aramaic word because it was a prayer first written in Hebrew but then used in Aramaic. And the prayer, that prayer begins this way, exalted and hallowed be his great name in the world which he created according to his will. Sounds like a statement of fact. And, but though this prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, maybe sounds like a statement of fact, it isn't. It's what you would call a petition. It's the first petition that Jesus begins in his prayer. Petition. I, I wonder what comes through your mind when you hear the word petition. Perhaps you think of people walking down the street with clipboards. They, they're going door to door with a petition, trying to get you to sign your name in agreement for this request that is being made of, of some group of deliberative people. Maybe it's a petition to the government. Or maybe you think of on Facebook, every now and then comes up a petition in an ad that they want me to digitally sign my name to. Recently I heard this very neighborhood, Princeton Estates, was circulating a petition regarding the property that's on the corner of Kalamazoo and 52nd Street saying, hey, we really don't want that business to be there. I have no idea whatever happened to that petition. Petitions, we, we sign them in person or we, we sign them digitally, and, and they're just requests. They're requests being made that Hopefully, if enough signatures are gathered and that it would be taken notice of by that deliberative body and that there would be a change made or maybe that no change would be made. When we consider the word petition, when it comes to requests made in prayer, we have the joy and confidence in knowing that our petitions, our requests, are not going to some deliberative governmental body where they will be read or they'll die a slow death or something. Instead, our petitions, our requests, come right to the Father by way of the Son and the Spirit. The very words that you speak, the very requests that you desire to see happen, traveling through the Spirit, and Christ to the ear of the Father, the ear that is bending down, waiting to hear from you. And this first petition is about God's name being hallowed. R.C. Sprawl writes this, the very beginning of godliness 
the very beginning of transformation in our lives and in society begins with our posture before the character of God. Our understanding of who God is will shape everything that we do, everything that we think, and everything that we'll say. And that's where Jesus starts. The first request in his prayer is to have this submission before the Lord that we would know who he is in our mind, we could say, that we would regard his name as sacred. I'm not going to do a raise of hands, but I wonder, and I would probably even say that there are few people today that would list hallowing God's name as the top priority in their prayer list. Oftentimes in our prayers, we like to skip to the give us our daily bread prayers. Where we know those pretty well. Those are the petitions for provision, the petitions for healing, the petitions that that desire to see something happen here on earth in our life or in the lives of others. But Jesus starts with hallowing God's name, almost something foreign to the environment that we live in today. The emphasis on the proper treatment of a name. If if we all had the the concept of a a proper treatment of a name, perhaps then there would never be any lawsuits for slander, right? Because we would properly treat people's name and not desire to speak poorly or negatively, perhaps, about them. I have a couple questions, though, when we when we come to this idea of praying about the the name of God. First is, what is hallowing? Can't say hallowing is a, a word that I use on a regular basis. And, and what does it look like to not just pray, hallowed be your name, but also to live it out? What does it look like to live a life that hallows someone's name? Can any of you think of a way that you use the word hollow on a regular basis? Can any kids think of a holiday on October 31? a little laughing. One hand rose. Halloween. Or what it used to be known as is All Hallows Eve, the, the night before All Saints Day. And, and individuals who celebrated All Saints Day on November 1 would actually begin the party, so to speak, on the evening before on All Hallows' Eve, October 
31. And the whole point of All Saints Day, or at least one of the points of All Saints Day, was to honor and remember the saints, the people who have gone before them living a Christ-like life. To set them apart, knowing that they have perhaps gone to heaven, are now holy with Christ, and, and they are present with Christ. People who are greatly respected. Maybe that's it. We're supposed to respect God, hallow his name, to, to view his name as something that is awesome with awe. And, and with, we, we think of his name with, with wonder and how gracious he is and what that looks like. We look in amazement at the deep love that is a part of his character and in the holiness that he represents. Hallowing God's name is a, is a prayer that hopes we can understand more fully who God is and what he desires here in this material universe. It's a, it's a prayer that we desire to realize how much more other our Father in heaven is than any Father we find on earth. God. Someone who is almost completely other, not almost, I guess he is completely other than anything we can find here on this material universe. I think the first half of the, the Heidelberg Catechism, the question that we read earlier, gets kind of at this point. Help us to truly know you, to honor, to glorify and praise you for your works and for all that shines forth from them. Those characteristics, your almighty power and wisdom and kindness and justice and mercy, mercy and truth. The catechism doesn't stop there, and I don't think the prayer does either. This isn't just a, a prayer that God's name is holy in the words that are spoken. It's it's a prayer that, that takes the words of our lips and, and the prayers that we bring up to God and, and desires that we, be, that we be planted in them, that, that we be rooted in them when we live each and every day. What does it look like to follow the Lord your God and, and hallow his name with your very life? Well, many of the people that Jesus was teaching this prayer to, they, they took the law seriously. The, the commandments that God had given them, they, they took it seriously, and it was a serious thing to be followed. It was not a task that was taken lightly. And, and for them, when they perhaps heard this, hallowed be your name, they, they stepped beyond just the idea of honoring with the mouth, they kind of already knew about that in, in a commandment. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. That's the third commandment. Third, three fingers. 
They, they kind of knew that, and, and they took God's name seriously almost, not almost, to the point that they would never actually use his name. God had told them his personal name, but then when they would read Scripture and they'd get to this point where it would say the Lord's name, they wouldn't say it because, well, you wouldn't want to misuse the Lord's name. So instead, they said Adonai, or they would say Lord in the place. That's why when you look through Scripture and you see an all-capital Lord, that's actually the Lord's personal name, and we're just inserting that word. Honoring God's name was a, a really big deal. But Jesus was going beyond just that honoring with our mouths because his listeners, too, knew that honoring God was something more than just doing with their very mouths. They, they honored God with their very life. They honored God with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their mind with all their strength, with all of their life. The honoring of the Lord was something that was ingrained into the very nature of who they were and what they chose to do and what they chose not to do. And I think that's where the Heidelberg Catechism in the second half gets at this piece that says, honoring the Lord to say, hallowed be your name, it's not just something we're saying, it's not just a statement, but it has an effect in our life. Let's see these words again. Help us to direct our living. What we think and say and do that your name will never be blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. When we think about hallowing God's name in this light where we hallow not only by the words we say but also by the, the, the actions that we do and the thoughts that we think, it seems like a pretty big task. At least it, to me it seems like a pretty big task. I wonder how we could sincerely pray from the heart, Lord, Hallowed be your name. But then go on to ignore part of our life that reflects the degree to which we truly honor him. Our actions and our thoughts. Be like making a prayer. Dear Lord, I know it's kind of icy out this morning. Keep me safe while I drive to church. Uh, and then you forget to use your brakes or you, you drive recklessly. You're praying for one thing to happen but living in a complete different way, right? It'd be, be wrong. So when we, when we pray to the Lord, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, we pray that our life will reflect that each and every day. If we, if we look back to the Israelites, we realize how big a task it is because they couldn't do it. 
The Lord gave them all the commands that they were to follow, all the ways that they were supposed to honor his name by living in his way. They failed. They couldn't couldn't do it. But here in this prayer, Jesus, in the very words of this section, gives grace. When, when we think of the words, hallowed be your name, perhaps we think that that's something that we are doing. It's something that's coming from our voices. It's something that comes from what we think, say, and do. But if we look at the original language, which I actually don't do this very often, the word used is a word that's in the passive voice, not the active. The active would be like me doing something to hallow the name, but here the passive voice is saying that God himself will make sure that his name is hallowed, that God himself will work within us that we may have him direct all of our living, all of that we think, that we do, that we say, to be honoring to him. And, and the reason that is able to happen is because of Jesus. He knew we couldn't do this all on our own, so God sent his son to take our place, to get in this position where we can have the spirit of God dwelling inside us. So when we pray, Lord, hallowed be your name, it's not empty words that are spewing forth from our mouth, but it's words with the power of the spirit that will undergird our living so we may truly follow in that way. God giving you the power, the ability to follow his way. In the grace, when we misstep, when we seem to make a decision that dishonors God rather than honoring him, he picks us back up, forgives us, and said, go on, do it no more. Honoring God through our living, hallowed be your name. As we live in between these two advents, the advent of his birth and the second advent is of his second coming, we, we realize that millions of people here on earth are filled with the Spirit and the ability to receive direction from God that all our living, our thoughts, what we think, what we say, and what we do can be directed in a way that honors him, that would reveal who he is even more, that would work in his creation in a way that would reveal God to all of the people that we meet. Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. It's a call to us to obedience. Obedience to Christ in the living of his commandments. It's a, a petition 
that says we will go throughout life with the same characteristics of God. His radical forgiveness. His enduring love. His caring mercy. It's a petition where God turns us into his vessel. Taking what we do each hour of the day, bringing it as praise and honor directly back to him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That is our true desire, Lord. That your spirit would work within us in such a way and that we ourselves would get out of the way, so to speak, and allow the spirit to work within us and direct us. That our thoughts that our actions, that all the things we say, that the tone of our voice even would be something that reflects how much we honor you and how much you are to be honored and glorified here on earth. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.